0: Welcome to FinTech at Kellogg, a podcast that sheds light on the innovative people, ideas, and technology that are transforming the financial services landscape as we know it. I'm your host, Farron Meldrum Taylor, and today we sit down with Amelia Williams and Alex Lieberman, FinTech at Kellogg's fearless co presidents, to discuss what drew them to FinTech, their vision for FinTech at Kellogg, and what they see as the future of the industry. Thank you so much, Amelia and Alex, for joining me here today to talk about fintech. Uh, To get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about how and when you first became interested in fintech?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started a finance route years ago in undergrad. I majored in finance and accounting, uh, post-undergrad worked for a couple of years in investment banking, and then prior to Kellogg was in private equity for three years. So I've spent about five years or so in the financial services industry. Uh, and there, being at the the lower end of the totem pole, I got to see a a whole host of finance, I'll call it issues or problems, that could easily be solved via uh, new technology. So an example of this is, if you're purchasing a company, whether for a dollar or a billion dollars, what's typically done is the buyer sends a wire or 25 different wires to the sellers of those companies. Um, The way it's structured today is, If a company, if you want to complete an acquisition, it needs to be done prior to 3 p.m. Central time because there is a wire cutoff time. So if you're at 3.05 Central, you have to wait an entire day to close the transaction, um, Mm -hmm. which can cause tens of thousands of dollars in additional accounting, legal, other fees. Seems like a very simple problem that could be solved via technology. Um, So that was just one problem that I faced at least a dozen times. Uh, In in my time prior to Kellogg, Um, and and I say issues like that really piqued my interest in fintech because it seems like a problem that could be addressed via technology very easily, a problem that has a high cost associated with it, and one where companies would be willing to pay, I'd say, a significant amount of money to solve. Um, So it's really by experiencing those problems firsthand that piqued my interest in fintech, let's call it three or four years ago.
2: And Amelia, what brought you to fintech? My interest makes a little bit less sense than that. <laughs> so, I my background is actually, if we take it all the way back to undergrad in English literature, and then my first full-time job out of college was working for a performing arts center in their marketing department, right? So, how do we go from there to financial services? I kind of tie it back to that early those early nonprofit days. So, I was I was exposed to a lot of the leadership and sort of org design troubles that we're facing, not for profits in my hometown of Philly, I became really intrigued about the ways in which org design can impact a business. And from my naive point of view, large institutions, including financial services companies, knew how to do this better than we did in the arts. So I went to go work for an executive recruiting firm called Spencer Stewart and I was in their financial services practice and my goal was honestly to learn as much as I could so that I could apply those lessons in the not-for-profit universe. What I found instead is that big banks are just as dysfunctional as performing art centers and a lot of what the issue was was an inability to think about problems in new and innovative ways. They were all sort of stuck in the old way of doing things all the time. So um, from there, that led to an interest in design thinking and innovation as a practice, which brought me to Kellogg. A lot of my clients were doing things in FinTech, obviously new applications in tech can really change your operations supply chain or the products and services you're offering to people. So when I got the chance to work at Fidelity this summer, it was sort of a natural extension of this crazy quest to find ways to be more innovative in general. And along the way I really fell in love with financial services as an industry I I really really love the concept of making financial products more human-centered in general so that's where that comes from
0: very cool two very I will say maybe unorthodox ways to fintech mm-hmm. once you got to Kellogg what drew you to the FinTech club
1: I take that one so I knew at Kellogg or post Kellogg that I wanted to get back into financial services as I tried to think about in a very unorganized way, but tried to think about you know, how is financial services going to change in the next five, 10 years you know, by the time I get to a little bit later in my career. I think the, the key driver there is that technology is going to change the way that financial services firms do business, private equity being no different. And so I wanted to get involved in fintech to try and get a sense of what is the industry going to look like five, 10 years from now, to learn how I could better prepare myself for that industry five or 10 years down the road. So it was really, I knew I wanted to be in financial services. I wanted to prepare myself for what financial services would look like 10 years down the road. So I used FinTech as kind of the um, almost the telescope to see what was coming down the line, try and get ahead of those trends. The club in general, when I started at Kellogg, was new on campus, but making a big splash very early. I met the, the executive team for the club. Everybody was very passionate about fintech, but came from very different backgrounds, and it was very clear that kind of everybody had a different fintech story uh, to tell, and, and everybody had kind of different areas in fintech they were focused on and different things that they could teach you. So it was really the diversity of the people involved. Uh, that that captured me in.
2: Mm, I would echo that the diversity of the people was a big draw for me as well. Uh, My first exposure to the club was through our our founding presidents, Dana Weinstein and Adam Nicoletti. They left a big impression on me. Uh, It really felt like Kismet in some ways having this club actually, because I really did come to Kellogg to get involved in fintech. I had a very people-first view of this industry, being that Again, I was in executive recruiting, and so I knew a lot of this c I knew of, you don't want to pretend like we were friends or anything, but I knew of most of this sort of C-suite leadership at all the big players, either traditional or disruptors. Coming to Kellogg, getting involved in FinTech meant that I could understand more from a product management point of view, what they were actually doing, and get to connect with other people who had been working for these companies and know what their day-to-day was like. So it was all about digging deeper from that strategic sort of high-level view to understanding the nuts and bolts of what these companies are doing.
0: Awesome. Very cool. And I would, I think, echo Alex's background as well. I think going to that kickoff meeting and seeing uh, the diversity and all the different ways people came to FinTech and that it wasn't just one like, oh, you had to have a background in financial services or you know everything about blockchain, I think made me really excited about joining as well.
2: Great. Uh, Just another quick plug, you know, there's so many reasons why you end up here. One of the things I love is financial inclusion has been very important to people in the club over the years. International perspectives on finance, like there's a lot of things that come together because we're fintech and it spans a lot of categories. Very true.
0: So what would you say has been your most exciting or fun fintech moment?
2: I can speak to that. So Last year, I got involved as a director in the careers team for fintech exec, and we really had a lot of latitude to do with that role what we would. And I used it as an excuse, honestly, to call up a couple really cool companies downtown and and try and see if we could come and visit them and and, and go behind the scenes. I think an exciting moment for me was we signed up fifteen or so students to go visit Northern Trust's innovation lab. I was really surprised by the breadth of what they were doing there. There was sort of your traditional design innovation, but there also was a lot of tech innovation that they were doing, especially around security, things that I don't necessarily think of first, but should clearly be on my radar. So that was that was a very cool experience.
1: I would echo that. Thanks to Amelia for pulling together that trip. I, I say that was near the top, if not at the top of my list. You know, There's a whole host of trends that we talked about throughout the year as a club and going down to Northern Trust who not not as a bad thing that they're they're known to be a little bit more stable mm-hmm. a little bit more of a slower slower mover in the industry but seeing them tackling all of the same trends that we were talking about really solidified to me the fact that you know the fintech trends and in insuretech blockchain they're really here to stay and the big institutions are investing millions of dollars in trying to stay ahead of those trends so the Northern Trust trip is really a validator that what we have been talking about in fintech at Kellogg are kind of the right trends and the, the same trends that large banks and large financial institutions are talking about. Another exciting piece for me is more so a validating point of everything we've been doing this past year. So last spring, I interned at a venture capital firm in Chicago called OCA Ventures, who makes a decent amount of investments in the fintech space, largely around exchanges. But one area they hadn't looked at previously was blockchain. Obviously a very uh, popular area in VC now, but at the time the firm hadn't spent much uh, time or energy learning about the space. And I was able to leverage some of the content and some of the knowledge that we had created as a group here at fintech at Kellogg and help educate OCA on that space So really kind of solidified the fact to me that FinTech at Kellogg is somewhat of a leader in helping develop that content and helping educate not only students, but also others in the industry. And then the last thing I would say is the FinTech trends and interests in the Kellogg student body are always changing. For example, I'd say InsureTech last year was not really a large focus. There wasn't a ton of student interest. That being said, this year I've had at least a dozen students reach out and express an interest in learning more about insurtech, that's insurance technology, and and trying to get insurtech companies on campus for events. So it's always interesting to hear how student interest and different trends are changing from year to year.
0: I guess we know what the next podcast needs to be about. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, turning to... Something slightly more serious now that you are presidents and have responsibilities as presidents of FinTech at Kellogg. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And given what a great year we had last year, what do you see as the role of FinTech at Kellogg and what do you envision for the club this year?
2: So I know for both Alex and I, something we wanted to do is make sure, A, we carry forward that momentum, of course. But B, there's so many incredible talents, experiences floating around within the club membership. We want to find more opportunities to unlock that, right? Give members of the club opportunities to speak with each other, make connections, realize complementary strengths or, or, or maybe tap into networks that they're hoping to break into. There's a lot of potential just in the room anytime we bring together everybody interested in FinTech at Kellogg. So I, we're just hoping to find more ways to do that. Some of that's social, right? Uh, Varun, our incredible VP of Community, is putting together a lot of really fun stuff. But uh, some of it's going to be maybe sort of uh, uh, from a knowledge perspective, right? Farron? like you know, we've got a great list of things coming up this year. Just fostering that dialogue and making sure people leverage each other is is a real goal of mine.
0: I would definitely second that. I don't know if I don't think you were there today, but Alex, you were at the. FinTech 101 presentation that Brian put on, he was referencing a PwC infographic, and there happened to be a woman who worked at PwC's FinTech department who could actually speak to the data that was behind that infographic. And we have so many students like that who have such rich backgrounds. It would be great if we find a way to learn about it.
1: I second that and add that there's a lot of FinTech resources amongst the student body at Kellogg, and I think fostering a community to not only be able to recognize kind of who brings those resources to the table, but then connect those people with other students who are looking. So I think the way I think about fintech at Kellogg, and and Amelia and I have talked about this before, is there's kind of two, maybe I guess call it three areas. The first one being fostering that fintech community to to help the sharing and, and generate the sharing of ideas and knowledge. Second being from a recruiting standpoint, we know there are students who our focused on a career in FinTech. So helping uh, them develop the knowledge and to develop the network to be able to go out, find a company, go through the recruiting process, and ultimately be successful in that role uh, is, a, is a big goal of ours. And then lastly, just educating students who are interested in FinTech more casually, whether it's a specific area in, in FinTech like InsurTech or just generally interested in FinTech more broadly, educating those students who may not be pursuing it as a career, but just more so as a hobby.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for leading me almost exactly into my next question. So why do you think that Kellogg students should consider roles in fintech? And where do you see the most opportunities?
2: Mm. That's a fun question.
1: I can start with that one. So I think at a high level, what I think about is that I personally, and I think it makes sense for students to go to a place where One, they're solving a real problem that a customer has. For two, a customer who can afford to pay them to solve that problem. And I think fintech is a perfect intersection of these two. I think there are both on the B2B side and on the B2C side financial problems that are real problems for businesses and consumers and problems that are so big that people and companies are willing to pay somebody to fix it for them. I think because of this, we've seen a large increase in institutional investment into fintechs. And what that institutional money is going towards is largely hiring personnel. In, I think in, any, or in most tech startups, the first hires are largely developers, engineers, more technical expertise. And then as these companies get more mature, they tend to hire more business-focused, strategy-focused personnel, many of which are MBAs. So I think we're now seeing fintechs that maybe have raised money two to three years ago now starting to scale up to the point where they are looking to hire MBAs and do so quickly. So I think it's a unique time in that there's companies that are solving a real problem for companies who are willing to pay for it. They've proven out their business model, have generated or have raised capital to go pursue that and now need to put that capital to work and hire the personnel to do it.
2: Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah. that's well put. I I would add, or, or maybe just emphasize a few things. One, on this concept of it being a real problem, right? So there is so much opportunity to create value in this industry, right? From the consumer perspective, these are very emotional products. If you think about our generation alone and what we've seen in our lifetime with the Great Recession and our relationship to investing, to saving, to payments – we do things very differently than our forebears, and we need a new crop of leaders and talent who understands that and who can build the products of the future for that group of people. You know, money is emotional, and you need to understand that relationship in order to build the right solution. So that's that's one. It's like just a huge human pain point. And to the other, I really love this this point around the companies are starting to mature. I mean, a lot of the disruptors who arrived on the scene in the last 10 years have had the opportunity more or less now to go through a full credit cycle to prove their longevity. They're, they're, they're more of a stable proposition nowadays than maybe they even were. And we are at this point where they're going to need folks to come in and work on scaling, to work on thinking about what's next. So there's just more opportunities than ever for people with our skill set to come in and make a difference.
0: I think that's definitely very true and hopefully good news for everybody listening who's hoping to get into fintech. Jumping to your experience this summer, Amelia, you were an intern at Fidelity Labs. That's right. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your experience there and what you see kind of as a role of corporate innovation in fintech?
2: Mm. Yeah, Fidelity has a really interesting model for corporate innovation. So for anyone not familiar, Fidelity Investments or FMR is the family sort of company, it's a privately held firm. It does mostly mutual funds. Most of us know it because of our 401k with the company, right? CEO Abby Johnson of the Johnson family is sort of the major uh, shareholder for the company. So it's really neat to be in a sort of female run company that's privately held. They have a whole portfolio of innovation efforts at Fidelity. Labs was just one part of that bigger look. So when they think about incremental improvements to their existing business, their internal consulting and strategy group handles that, right? Uh, when they think about uh, really long-term play, like how where is AI, where is VR taking us, things on like a 10-plus year time horizon, They have an entire technology group that just focuses on that. And when they think about a portfolio of investments and how they can partner with startups, they have essentially a VC arm that just makes acquisitions or or investments in, in early play. So labs sort of fits in between on a more of like a five to 10 year time horizon. We're looking at what our consumers feel is a problem for them now, but we probably would be building a solution that becomes viable later. So just as a quick example, right? I was working on gig economy projects Uh, It's an interesting group from a strategic point of view because, again, Fidelity mostly services 401ks. These are not people who have those. So it's a good strategic move for Fidelity to be invested in this new humongous economy. But also from the consumer side, right? These are people who have to manage their own tax withholdings, who have to manage their own health care. There's a lot of burden you take on when you're an independent contractor, we can really help make their financial lives better. So that's an example of the kind of project that Fidelity Labs takes on. It's not core to Fidelity's business, but it is adjacent and addresses a large human problem. So that to me really demonstrates what corporate innovation specifically can do. You're leveraging Fidelity's already huge investments in its own technology team, the data that it has, the brand reach, and saying, how can I use those assets to bring something new to bear in the market. Obviously, fintech startups have their place too, right? They should be out there doing the really wild stuff that you you don't need those things that I just described to have a strategic advantage. We're more here in the sort of in between saying, what is something bigger than an incremental step, but smaller than like a total industry game changer? And that's mm-hmm. sort of where Fidelity lies.
0: you talked about how This is for the consumer. Was a lot of what you're doing in Fidelity Labs catered towards consumer-facing projects, or was it internal innovation or improvements? I feel like we saw at Northern Trust a lot of internal projects in addition to that. Was there a mix of both?
2: There's a mix of both. I think, like most designers are are sort of biased to do, I think of everyone as a consumer. (laughs) So I use that word pretty liberally. In fact, I was looking at a B2B space, so the consumers quote of my product were, were mostly folks who live inside of a large organization and are buying products and services on behalf of the company. Labs does not really focus on internal efficiency projects or anything like that. That more gets handled by, again, that internal consulting or, or strategy group that they have. But nonetheless, it's a pretty broad scope in terms of who, quote, a consumer really is.
0: And now I'm turning to Alex to give you a chance to talk up a little bit more your internship. Your internship and background is more on the investment side of fintech. What kind of trends do you see on the investor side?
1: So I think one major trend that I've seen is the type of capital coming in. So if you think about investors on a spectrum, at the very early stage there's venture capital. At the very early end of that is seed funding, or even earlier than that, friends and family. And on the very back end or later stage of the spectrum is private equity or what's called traditional buyout. There's a whole range of funds across that spectrum. So that's to kind of give you a sense of of the investor base. I think historically, given that fintech was a little bit earlier stage, it was largely friends and family and venture capital money coming in. As that industry, as the fintech has matured, we've seen the later stage investors coming in, traditional private equity buyout firms, who typically make significantly larger Investments from a dollar standpoint than venture capital firms do. For example, to give you a sense, a venture capital firm may invest $2 million into a a fintech startup. A private equity firm, later stage, may invest $100 million. So I think the maturing of the industry has resulted in more money from a dollar standpoint coming in, which from a recruiting standpoint, if you're looking for a job in a fintech, it gives companies more money to, to hire more people. I think that has been a result of just the industry as a whole maturing, but also venture capital firms that invested in fintechs maybe five, seven years ago have been able to exit those investments. Venture capital and private equity funds are a little bit of of the herd mentality, where they don't necessarily want to be the first one to do it. But once a strategy proves successful, everybody wants to jump in. So I think now that we've seen some large fintech startups like a lending club exit an investment via an IPO or others via a strategic buyer, there's been a good track record of investing in fintech from both a venture capital and private equity standpoint. So I think you're seeing even more dollars come in all across that investing spectrum, across kind of all the different areas within or all the different verticals within fintech that we have talked about. If you were to ask me what's going to be the key trend or the key vertical, I think that's the billion dollar question for an investor. If anybody knows, let me know. But I think the biggest trend that I see is kind of the investment thesis around fintech from a venture capital standpoint has played out successfully to a large extent. And that's eased the concerns around others investing in this space. Mm
0: -hmm. And where would you say you see the traditional financial institutions playing in this space? Have you seen a lot more acquisitions on their side or is it still mostly coming from PE firms or venture capital?
1: I'd say it's across the board. I think PE has really come into this space more recently. I personally have seen them most is in the payments space, whether that's B2C, you know, consumer payments or more B2B. I think that's more so because private equity firms are really focused on profitable and cash flow profitable companies. And the payments model really lends itself to you have a scalable platform that it generates cash flow and you can reinvest that cash flow to really grow the platform. So I think the payment space is one where I've really seen personally the most private equity investments. I think it's largely a function of the model as well as it's just been, I mean, the payments industry has been around since, you know, cash or checks were invented, you know, hundreds of years ago. So it's just a little bit more on the mature end of the fintech spectrum.
0: And do you see a lot more B2C fintech companies being invested in, or are you also seeing the more B2B players seeing some Um, of that?
1: I'm seeing both. I think the B2C tend to get a little bit more spotlight and a little bit more press because for lack of a better word, they're considered to be the, the sexier fintech companies. Um,
0: sexy fintech. That being said,
1: um, <laughs> some of the most profitable and most successful from an investment standpoint have been on the B2B. So I think you see them across both. I think you have to dig a little bit deeper to find the B2B ones. You know, Everybody's looking for Venmo, a lending club, but there have been just, success, just as successful, if not more so, investments and in, in startups on the B2B end.
0: Thank you. So you talked a little bit about using the fintech club as a lens for the future. Looking forward in the next five years or so, what big advancements or changes do you think you'll see or would you want to see in fintech?
2: Well, insurtech is clearly hot, so (laughs) I'll follow follow the people on that (laughs) one. I think even more disintermediation, honestly. It's kind of all out there. I, I'm so biased to focus on banks, right? That's really kind of my, my point of view. So I'll, so I'll just stick to sort of what I know there, right? The, I, I really think that we're at the point where I'm, I'm not certain a vertically integrated bank makes, makes sense. We're at the place where we can serve people higher quality products for less if we were to break that down. I, I think building consumer trust probably ends up being... One of the bigger issues and also carrying the regulatory burden that most banks currently bear that's that's what's going to be challenging about it so on the topic of very unsexy fintech i think <laughs> uh, legal risk and compliance is huge it's a real barrier right now so it's sort of fintech adjacent but there's a lot of mountains to be moved there before i think we can really see some some very cool stuff start to happen. So i i i would love to see <laughs> some some of those things get addressed.
1: Yeah. I would absolutely echo the regulatory piece. I think the regulators in general often move slower even than large financial institutions, large banks, and they're very much so playing catch up with the, the range of fintech startups. So i think i would like to see Regulators kind of catch up to fintech startups. I think that will help increase confidence in putting your money with a a startup robo-advisor. But another big trend that I think is on the education front. I think financial services as a whole has really been very profitable and kept its business by making things often more complex than they need to be, Mm -hmm. uh, developing vocabulary that may or may not be needed, and making things more complex than they may need to be. And so I think with every new product, there's a large education component, educating the consumer on what risks they're taking and what risks at least they should be aware of that they're taking. This kind of spans across all verticals in fintech, so I hope you don't think this is a cop-out answer, but I think there's a large education component in fintech that I think is starting to be addressed, but has a very long way to go.
0: Mm. Nice. Yeah, we don't really talk about the financial literacy aspect about all yeah of that, so
2: i think that can be quite fraught too because that means a lot of things to a lot of people you know there's there's various incentives that mostly government policy have put out there to be like okay slap up some sort of web page that explains this or the other thing and i've given you a thumbs up on education quote unquote right but alex what i was really hearing when you said that was like radical transparency even more than education right like you see, you do see that in banking again. Going back to what I know, but right, every fee comes to you in these booklets that are just so complicated. But online banks like Marcus at Goldman mm-hmm. are really breaking it down and saying, "Here's exactly what." You... First off, we're not going to charge most of those, and second off, you're going to know exactly what they do and what they are. I was looking at alternative checking accounts recently, which could be a direction that a Venmo goes, for example, where. They're delivering a sort of mint experience where you can see everything in and out, and it aggregates your information. But it's also your checking account on your phone, and it's sort of mobile first banking. There's a group called Stash, S-T-A-S-H, that are combining that with financial education and literacy, where if better behaviors impact your rates and all this stuff, and it's all happening in one centralized place. So, just just speaking to that, like I think there's a lot of potential there.
0: Yeah, I would agree. The behavioral finance aspect of it, too, is definitely something I think we'd be seeing more people play off of and take advantage of, essentially. For sure. Well, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you so much to Alex and Amelia for joining us today. I look forward to seeing what the year has for FinTech at Kellogg. Thanks, Baron. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Alex and Amelia. If you want to learn more about FinTech at Kellogg, you can reach us directly at fintechclub at kellogg.northwestern.edu or come check out our Facebook page. And if you like what you heard today, please remember to rate us on iTunes and click that subscribe button to hear future episodes. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. Until next time.